following lecture was produced by the Gnostic Academy of Chicago, a nonprofit organization, and is one of many available for podcast, download, and transcription. You can visit chicagonosis.org to find courses, articles, scriptures, commentaries, and other valuable resources that address a wide variety of spiritual subjects, interests, and needs. Through the generous support of listeners like you, the Gnostic Academy of Chicago has produced online courses, lectures, and articles freely available worldwide. If you have benefited from this knowledge, help humanity through making a tax-deductible donation at chicagonosis.org. If you are interested in attending the Gnostic Academy of Chicago in person, you may view our online class schedule and freely register at meetup.com slash chicagonosis. The Chicagoland Gnostic Academy provides humanity with the necessary means for transforming suffering and acquiring personal knowledge of the divine. With this purpose in mind, we now begin the lecture. May all beings be happy. We are going on a trip to an unknown place. And in order to get to that destination, we need to know the way. The Gnostic methods that have been passed down to us by teachers across time will be our guide to reach that place. But it's important to understand that every step of that journey, we have to take with our own feet. The Gnostic work requires effort on the individual's part. As much as a teacher or a scripture can give us instructions, we have to be making that effort on our own in order to reach the goal. And for that reason, it's important to always reflect on our purpose for being here. Why are we studying Gnosis? What are we hoping to achieve? Each of us have a personal goal. And by not losing sight of that goal, we should be able to reach the end without giving up. As difficulties come up, always holding on to our purpose and what, what we are seeking will help us to accomplish that goal. But in addition to all of our personal reasons for being on this path, there's also a cosmic purpose to the Gnostic work. All of us have the opportunity to become fully developed human beings if we know the methods, if we apply the science. The human being has an important role in the cosmos to be a caretaker of all living beings, to be a servant of divinity, a vehicle through which divinity can express within creation. But that is not something that we currently have. That is our goal. That is what we are working toward. In order to achieve that goal, there are a few things we have to understand. Today, we're going to learn about what Gnosis is. What does it mean when we say Gnosis? That type of knowledge is distinct from the type of knowledge that we learn in school. Most of our education nowadays is just to educate the intellect and the mind and to stuff us full of information. 
So we're going to understand today a very clear idea of what gnosis is and how that knowledge is different. And also what is the goal of the Gnostic work? Why do we apply this method to ourselves? Why do we undergo the struggles of working with a spiritual method? What is the goal? What is the purpose of that? Secondly, we're going to learn about consciousness and the role that consciousness plays in helping us to reach our spiritual goal. And finally, we'll apply a spiritual principle to ourselves in a practical way to understand how we can have the right foundation for beginning the Gnostic work. So gnosis is a Greek word for knowledge. It is the knowledge that we acquire through our own experience as opposed to knowledge that we are told or believe in. This is different than our intellectual theories or our beliefs, right? Many of us may have theories about spirituality or religion. We may have deep beliefs that we feel very emotionally attached to and have held on to for a very long time. But gnosis is a knowledge that we gain by living through something directly. That direct experience is completely different than just having information in our minds. I think a good analogy for this is considering a person who reads a lot about a topic, let's say the topic of war. They read many books about war. They might watch films about war or look at movies. And that information that they gain helps them to develop their own opinions about war, their own concepts or theories about war and why it occurs. They may even have very strong beliefs about war based off of the limited information that they've been exposed to. They may believe that war is justified or they may believe that war is evil. That kind of knowledge is very different from the experiential knowledge of someone who has lived through and fought in a war. That person deeply knows in a very profound way what war is, the effects of war, whether it is good or evil, that person has lived through it and has been forever changed by their experience of war. If we compare that with spirituality, that's the kind of distinction that we're making when we talk about gnosis being experience. You can read many, many books about spirituality nowadays. They're abundant. You can watch YouTube documentaries and you can develop many complicated theories about how you think the universe is, what you believe God is. You may even have beliefs that you've been taught from, from an early age in your religion that you hold on to very tightly, that you really believe in your heart are true. But when you actually live through a spiritual experience, connecting with divinity, experiencing that directly, it transforms you entirely. That type of experience can change your life forever. That type of experience is gnosis. In the same way, even our mundane experience of life can be transformed into a spiritual experience of life if we learn how to awaken our consciousness, to really experience directly and with the full intensity of our being, our day-to-day -day existence. That's why the founder of this tradition, Samael Anvior, wrote that initiation is life itself intensely lived. 
the spiritual initiation, the beginning of the spiritual work is occurring within our own life. But we have to live our life not in a theor theoretical way, not just filled with beliefs, but really consciously directly experiencing our life and observing what is really happening in our lives. Really looking at who we are, our behavior in life, really trying to understand reality in a conscious, deep and profound way. In order to achieve that kind of conscious awakening, in order to learn the methods by which we can experience life in that profoundly different way of perception, we have this tradition, the Gnostic tradition, which embodies the core wisdom or knowledge of humanity. This is a spiritual tradition that's been preserved for thousands of years. It's come through all of the mystical branches of religion. It's come from ancient Egypt and the Greek mysteries, Roman mythology, the Rosicrucians. Many esoteric groups have preserved this knowledge and the techniques needed in order to awaken our consciousness and develop the full potential of a human being. We remember that the goal of the Gnostic work is to develop the full potential of our soul to become a true human being with power over nature and with the ability to serve God in a virtuous way. So our goal is to become Gnostics, people who have that direct personal experience of divinity, people who are transformed in their lives by their connection, their living connection with divinity. Gnostics are also individuals who embody the highest ethical and spiritual values, such as temperance, diligence, humility, chastity, generosity, and more. When we think about our goal, are we aligned with this idea of a Gnostic? Are we merely seeking experiences or entertainment or curiosity? Or are we actually looking for a profound transformation of ourselves and our lives? Are we looking for a way to become virtuous, to connect and serve divinity? That's really important that we understand this method is intended to take us to the heights of spiritual development and purity, to really crystallize an ethic in us that is so profound it transforms our life and our being. Salman Vior also stated that the hour has arrived to abandon theories and go directly to what is practical. And that's why Gnosis is not a theoretical kind of teaching. We can make it theoretical if all we do is read some books or articles and then we never apply them to our lives. But in truth, Gnosis is supposed to be practical. These are teachings that we use upon ourselves to transform ourselves in a real way. We need to use consciousness in order to practically apply the teachings of Gnosis to ourself. Consciousness is awareness, perception of our life and ourselves, our inner states and our external environments, perception of what we're doing. One definition of consciousness is an alert cognitive state in which you are aware of yourself and your conditions. Now, most of us have some degree of consciousness, Right, We're awake right now, we're listening to this talk. 
But how conscious are we really? Do we have periods of our life or periods throughout the day where we zone out or we become totally distracted for several hours and then we look back and we realize we were not conscious of what we were doing? In fact, we can't even really remember much of what we were doing. We need to work with consciousness and try to strengthen that muscle to perceive, to really be aware of what we are doing in the moment. And the reason we need consciousness for Gnostic work is because that conscious perception is what allows us to obtain experiential knowledge. We want gnosis of ourselves. So that means we need to be conscious of ourselves. What am I thinking, feeling, doing, saying? We need gnosis of our life. So we need to be conscious of every situation that we are in. The more conscious you are, the more information that you can receive from that experience. And that's why working with strengthening your consciousness, really paying attention to yourself and to your environment throughout the day is a foundation for, for developing gnosis. In addition, our quality of consciousness, our level of consciousness will determine our trajectory on the line of being. You can see here in this graphic that there are two lines. The horizontal line of life is all of our mundane activities. We're born, we grow up through adolescence, through adulthood, and we age and we die. That horizontal line of life, all of us are pretty aware of. We're focused on making it through, meeting our needs, reaching our material goals on the line of life. But are we very aware that there is a second line, a line of being that intersects the line of life at every moment? In this present moment, not only are you living on that horizontal line of life, but you're also existing somewhere on this vertical line of being. Higher states of being are elevated states of consciousness, pure states of consciousness. When you live in a virtuous way, when your character is integrated and connected with divinity, you can ascend to those higher states of being. You can live in a heavenly state. Even if you're here on earth, you can be surrounded by positive situations, positive people. You can radically improve your circumstances by elevating yourself on the line of being. However, the reverse is also true. If you perform harmful actions, if you are always thinking negative thoughts, if you find yourself confronted by lots and lots of problems, then you can be living in a lower level of being. We call these hell realms. And even here on earth, many people are living in hell and suffering terribly. Even if someone has a lot of material wealth, we could say that if they have a very low level of being, if they be, behave in a degenerated manner, if they are dominated by their passions and desires, they could experience states of hell because they will not be happy. They will be always continually torn by negative states of existence. One thing I want to note is that we may have some mystical experiences from time to time. We may be able to astral project or really gain a valuable insight in meditation. 
And that is all good. But our goal with the Gnostic work is not just to collect those kinds of experiences, but really to radically change who we are so that we are permanently living in those higher states of being. Currently, if we have an experience now and then, we're like spiritual tourists. We go up to heaven for an evening and then we come back and we're faced with the same problems. We're still caught up in our own desires and negativity and egotism from day to day. Well, that shows us that we have not fully integrated that kind of Gnostic advancement that we're looking for. We want to really be changing as people and using consciousness and spiritual teachings to transform ourselves so that we are continually rising up on the line of being. This means that we need to use spiritual teachings in a very practical way. You may have noticed that many spiritual teachings come to us in the form of mysteries. They come as parables, myths, koans, or even arcana in the case of the tarot. We might ask ourselves, why are the spiritual teachers always giving us so many symbols? Why don't they just teach us in a very direct way, write out a couple of sentences clearly in English so that we can understand? And that's because the teachings that we receive are developed for our consciousness. A symbol like this Arcanum One, the magician, can encompass far, far more knowledge than a couple of sentences written on a page. However, that knowledge can only be accessed with our consciousness. And that's why working with consciousness and really trying to understand what something means and then applying it in our daily life is the first step of entering into the spiritual mysteries. The spiritually initiated people had to begin by transforming themselves first, developing ethical purity, not just by reading a lot of books, but really undergoing a psychological training in order to become ready to receive these types of mysteries. I thought it would be useful for us today to look at this teaching, the magician, Arcanum One, the very first mystery of the spiritual work, and to try to apply it to ourselves. So although this card holds many, many levels of meaning that we can't discuss today, we're going to look at it at its most basic sense. We're going to try to understand why the magician is the first step in the spiritual work why understanding this mystery is required before we can enter into any of the rest of the mysteries. So on its most basic level, what does it mean to us that we have to master this principle, this principle of the magician, in order to really begin our spiritual journey? Let's ask ourselves, let's apply this in a practical way to ourselves. Are we currently the magician? A magician comes from the word magush, which is a priest, a very, very highly developed spiritual person, a person we assume has some level of mastery, right? And in fact, Samo and Vior taught us that this arcanum gives aptitude in order to resolve problems. Do we have the aptitude to resolve all of our problems? Samo and Vior also said it grants 
power as much for awakening as for dominating passions in the physical world. So if we look at ourselves, do we have the power to awaken consciousness in a radical way currently? Do we have the power to dominate our passions, our selfish desires in the physical world? Those two are very closely intertwined. By learning how to dominate our desires, by learning how to transform ourselves from an egotistical and selfish person into a virtuous and selfless person with all of those great qualities that we spoke about earlier that Gnostics possess, we will awaken consciousness. And also conversely, by awakening consciousness, by being more aware of ourselves and our behaviors throughout the day, we will also gain the knowledge, the insight and the comprehension of ourselves currently that will help us to learn how to dominate our passions, how to change. Let's look at three qualities of the magician and see how these apply to ourselves. Firstly, the magician has knowledge of real reality, objective reality. All of us think that we perceive reality, but do we really perceive reality clearly? Are we actually seeing what's really there? You can think as an example of a time you might have met someone and from your first impression had a bad opinion of them, believed that they were a certain way. But then later on, as you got to know that person, you realized that your opinion of them in the beginning had been completely wrong. This happens to us all the time, and we should realize that this is evidence that we did not perceive reality, right? The first time we met that person, we thought we knew them. We thought we had a sense of who they were. But over time, we discovered that we had been wrong. We can't trust that our perception is accurate. In our current state of being, because of our sleeping consciousness, we're not really perceiving reality. And so we're not like the magician in the sense that we have already the knowledge we need in order to uh, pursue spiritual development. We need to begin by just truly deeply reflecting on ourselves and observing ourselves and our situations throughout the day in order to gain that type of insight and knowledge that will help us to change. For most of us, we see reality upside down. Most of us believe that the real me is this terrestrial personality, my name, my job, my race, my social status, my appearance. We're very attached to these things and we spend lots of time and energy on trying to take care of the concerns and problems and desires of that terrestrial personality. When it comes to the soul, obviously we consider it's important because we're in this type of study, but our actions and our use of energy and time shows that we don't really believe it is the most valuable part of our life. In most cases, we're spending 90% of our time and energy or more investing in the terrestrial self and very little time, just whatever time is left to develop our soul. Again, this shows that we have a fundamental misperception of reality because in the cosmic scheme of things, the terrestrial self is a very temporary state. We're only going to be this person for a very short time, but the soul is very, very important. Developing the soul is what will determine 
all the rest of our existences and where we will go after death. The soul is the reality. The soul is our connection with God. Without God, we cannot live a single minute. And yet, we never remember God. We're always distracted by our desires in the physical world. Another quality of the magician is that he is a master of himself or herself. Are we masters of ourselves? Well, we might think we have a lot of self-control or insight, but in reality, most of the time, we find that we are consumed by negative states. We have a lot of problems and we get upset about things. We take for granted that our feeling is, is correct, is accurate. I should be angry, I'm justified. I should feel proud, I did a great thing. Instead of questioning these types of states, we just accept them. And that shows that we're kind of asleep because we don't have insight into the harm that those states cause for us and for others. In the same way, we have a lot of desire, a lot of selfish desire. We spend a lot of time serving that desire. In a way, we're slaves to our desires and we don't have the freedom to truly choose a virtuous goal and the willpower to follow through and achieve it. Eliphas Levy said that the mag magus is a micro prosopis. He's a master of his own little world. So the first step we need to take if we wanna enter into the spiritual work is to become a master of ourselves, to learn how to confront those negative states and really understand them and where they come from. And that will give us the power to choose how to, how to respond. This is not just to put a false positivity over the negative state and to repress it, but really to sit with it, to meditate on it, to reflect and understand where that comes from, and also to see the effects of that type of negative state or that type of desire. And then through that comprehension to choose a different way. Finally, the magician has power over circumstances. Well, for most of us, we feel that we are victims of our circumstances. Everything in life just seems to happen to us. And as much as we try to fight against the circumstances, we often feel that we don't have much power or much control. We're just trying to react and react and react to the next problem that comes to us in life. In this state, it's very hard to gain a spiritual development because we don't feel that we really have power and we're always trying to confront problems. On the other hand, if we take the magician as our ar archetype for beginning a spiritual work, the magician takes responsibility for himself and his life. That's the first step. We have to take responsibility for how we respond to life. Although we cannot control the circumstances that may come our way, we can control our responses to those circumstances. If we remain unconscious when negative situations happen to us, well, we'll interpret them very negatively and we'll respond to them negatively and we'll end up creating more problems. Someone insults us and because we're unconscious, we get angry, we sit in that anger. We allow that anger to infect the people around us as we gossip about this person. And then we insult that person and the problem goes on and on and on. A magician on the other hand, may be insulted, may be hurt by that insult, 
but can understand that he needs to choose a wise way to respond, a loving and virtuous way to respond, regardless of what the circumstance is. And through that method, he can begin to change his circumstances. A problem that would have gone on and on and on if we had fed into it can very quickly be resolved if we respond to it with serenity and with virtue. So how can we apply this in practice to ourself? I find that this quote from Dion Fortune is very practical. It's a really good way of looking at how we take our current situation in life and we try to become a magician. We try to be conscious of our life and to redirect our attitude towards life. If this is the first step we need to take to engage in real spiritual transformation, then we need to perform this on ourselves. Dion Fortune says about the initiate who is a, a beginner magician, knowing the power of concentrated thought, the initiate makes use of it in all the problems of life. His method, however, is not that of direct attack in which he wills the change of the unpleasant condition but is directed to bring about certain changes in his own consciousness. For he knows that it is his own temperament which is the real instrument of karma. It is only through those factors in his own nature which react that karma can affect him. He knows that certain conditions come to him in order that they may provoke certain reactions in his own nature. And according to his handling of these reactions will be his karma even in this present life. So what the unfortunate is saying here is that the magician is not just trying to go out and externally control unpleasant situations. He's not trying to control other people and force them to do what he wants. Rather, the magic performed by this magician is by transforming his own consciousness knowing that making changes within his own temperament and his reactions to life is what will produce external changes later on. Karma is cause and effect. If we produce causes that are positive, that are virtuous, the effect is that positive things will begin to occur. Now, we can't expect immediate results but we will see these kinds of changes over time. In order to illustrate this in a very practical way, I'll use an example from my own life. Many years ago, when I was first trying to apply this teaching to myself, at that time I was working in a restaurant. I really hated the job and I was very unhappy with my situation in life. I began studying these Gnostic methods and I decided that I would try to apply them in a practical way to myself. How can I make a change in myself to transform a negative quality or, a, or a, an egotistical desire and make that into something virtuous? How can I use my own willpower to make a transformation in myself? I was working in many areas of my life, but I'm going to pick the example of the restaurant just to make it very concrete and clear how I applied this teaching. 
in this restaurant, um, many of the people had a negative attitude like myself and didn't really want to work there. And so many of us were very focused on just making our own money, taking care of our own tasks and not really supporting the whole team. One thing that was an expectation at the job is that when we had some downtime at work, we would help out other team members with some of their tasks. But no one ever did this. Everyone took for granted that no one was going to do this task that we were supposed to do of helping each other out. And I myself was guilty of that. I went into work with a really lazy attitude of not wanting to do anything more than the bare minimum of what I had to do to get through the day. But taking this teaching, this Gnostic teaching, and recognizing as I observed myself and paid attention to myself at work that I was being really lazy and negative all the time and not living in a virtuous way, not even trying to help people in the most simplest way, I thought, this is a really good place for me to just try to make a small change in myself. Let me take that laziness and selfishness and try to just transform it into a little bit more diligence, a little bit more helpfulness for others. One way that I did this was that in the dining room, servers would always stack plates and plates, tons of dirty dishes. And we were supposed to be bringing these back to the kitchen. When you had some downtime, you would help the other servers by bringing their dirty dishes back to the kitchen. No one ever did this. And so one day I thought, well, I'll put this in practice. If I'm really going to overcome this lazy tendency, one way that I can be diligent and help people, even though it's such a small way to do it, is just carrying these stacks of dishes back. And so every day I would go and I would take the stacks of dishes back to the kitchen. Only after about two or three weeks, other servers noticed that I had changed my behavior and that I was doing this. And maybe it was out of guilt or compassion for me, but those other servers also started to help. They'd take the dishes from me, or when they had downtime, they would start taking the dishes back. This changed the dynamic of our workplace. It didn't become a perfect workplace, but people definitely had more feelings of gratitude towards each other. There was a shift in culture where people had an attitude of wanting to help each other a little more. And definitely people respected me a little more and got along better with me because they knew that I was working hard and trying to go above and beyond what the bare minimum expectation of the job was. Not just by taking back the dishes, but I think that's one clear example. In addition to this change that I experienced at my workplace, I also experienced a change in myself. I had more energy. I had more positivity about the job, even though it was still difficult but I didn't dread it in the same way. I felt much more connected to my coworkers. And so this small change within myself really did change the conditions around me. Furthermore, a couple of months later, I got an amazing job offer and was able to change careers. And I really do attribute it to these small changes that I was making through the Gnostic work. So I took a spiritual principle I applied it directly to myself in a conscious way through willpower, through paying attention to myself and how I behaved in my life. And through that kind of very real and authentic transformation in myself, changes came about in my circumstances. You can say that I rose up one notch on that level of being. And so all of my circumstances around me also were improved by that. 
and people around me were also benefited by that. Even though this is such a simple example, I hope that everyone will start where they're at. Start with the conditions you have around you. Our karma, our circumstances are our first initiation. If we can transform our current level of being, we can change everything. And as we transform ourselves internally, our conscious perception of life also changes. We receive a lot more knowledge, a lot more gnosis. And the quality of that knowledge that we receive is much more profound and insightful. Over time, you'll be able to really experience a shift in your whole uh, understanding of reality. But it begins by actually changing in ourselves. This is not a performance. No one else needs to know that you were doing this. I didn't tell everyone at work, oh, I'm gonna start trying to be diligent. You do it for yourself and you do it for divinity. You apply these teachings in a practical way to yourself and you make a change. And that's what produces the effect. To conclude, I'll share one more quote. Uh, this quote is about being a magician because as I just described, being a magician happens with every action we take in life. Even internal actions, even changing our inner attitudes is a work of magic because we are working with our energy, our mental energy, our emotional energy, our physical energy, and we're using it consciously to produce a change. That's magic. So with this final quote, I hope we'll reflect on it. A magus is simply a man who has a detailed and intimate understanding of mankind and of nature and of the continuous ebb and flow that unites them through the medium of men's thoughts, feelings, and acts. A genuine magus takes care to use only what is pure, noble, and divine in his work, because he knows that every word or gesture, as well as every thought or emotion, every act is magical. Whatever helps someone to progress along the path of perfection, whatever brings man closer to God, is white magic, whereas all that holds man back in his quest for perfection, whatever comes between him and the divine source is black magic. Whether it be conscious or unconscious, that is what it is. With this definition of magic, you are now in a position to decide what kind of magic you perform. Are you a black or a white magician? So firstly, if we're using our energy unconsciously, that needs to change. We need to start paying attention. Our assignment to start off this course is to pay attention to our life and ourselves. How are we using mental energy, emotional energy, physical energy? How are we moving through our day? We need to shift from this kind of unconscious use of energy to a conscious use of energy so that we gain some of that willpower to produce results and changes that we want. Secondly, we need to perform actions and make changes that bring us closer to God. We are striving for a virtuous transformation. Egotistical desires and pursuing uh, egotistical aims is black magic. Trying to use our willpower to control other people 
or to get more money or more power in the physical world is a definite obstacle to this work. It's black magic. Trying to use these teachings in order to strengthen our pride and our sense of self and to brag to others or show off is also black magic. That becomes a huge obstacle for us to connect to divinity. Remember that the true Gnostic is humble. The true Gnostic has an open mind. The true Gnostic lets go of desire and expectation and is able to see reality as it truly is. Those are the steps we have to take. And the most important thing to remember is that we need to be conscious of how we use energy. Use, our use of energy is magic. So let's use it in a positive way. At this point, I think we will end the lecture. To learn more about the knowledge covered in this lecture, we invite you to study the books available through Glorian Publishing or GnosticTeachings.org. You can also view free online courses, lectures, transcriptions, and articles available at ChicagoGnosis.org. All of this is made possible by the support of listeners like you. Have you benefited from this knowledge? Help others by making a tax-deductible donation at chicagognosis.org. We thank you for listening. We hope that these lectures aid you in developing your complete and divine potential. May all beings be happy. May all beings be joyful. May all beings be in peace.